Shannon, have you been listening to any interesting podcasts lately? I sure have. I've been listening to True Crimecast. On True Crimecast, John and Jamie cover the big names and cases everybody wants to hear. Also, they specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. Every Tuesday, you will hear the details of each case and their analysis of whether or not justice is served. You can find True Crimecast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, you should head over now and hit subscribe and start listening to True Crimecast today. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Jason Creekmore and Shannon Deaton. Welcome to the show. Today, we are going to be discussing some interesting facts about our presidents. Presidential history is a topic that typically generates a great deal of interest, so I hope that everyone enjoys it. Across from me is my good friend and presidential scholar... (laughs) Shannon Deaton. So what say you, sir? Man, I'm doing great today. How are you doing, Jason? I am doing great. Good. You ready to talk about some presidents? Hey, I like that. I like like a little presidential history from time to time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to begin with one of the more famous U.S. presidents, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, better known as Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy was born uh, on October 27th, 1858 in New York City. He was elected vice president in 1900, but after President McKinley was assassinated, Teddy became president. He served as president from 1901 through 1909, winning the 1904 election on his own right. Roosevelt had a reputation for being a charismatic, tough-as-nails kind of guy, and perhaps no other event showcased this than his own assassination attempt. On October 14, 1912, minutes before giving a speech in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Roosevelt was shot in the chest. Miraculously, the speech that Roosevelt had folded up in his jacket pocket saved his life as the bullet was slowed down, and while the bullet did enter his chest, it did not go deep enough to strike any vital organs. So, Roosevelt, bloody shirt and all, ordered the driver to transport him to the rally where he delivered the speech before going to the hospital to have the bullet removed. Another interesting fact about Teddy Roosevelt uh, connected to presidential assassinations was that Teddy, as a young child, actually watched the funeral procession of Abraham Lincoln, and there's actually a photo uh, proving this. Oh, is he a child in the photo, just uh, watching the yep, from procession? the window. Yes, it's the, the picture is taken from inside, and he's looking out the window on on the Lincoln procession going through New York City. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. A couple of more interesting facts. Teddy Roosevelt was the first president to win the Nobel Peace Prize and forever made children happy nationwide as being the father of the teddy bear. (laughs) Made my girls happy. Yeah, I've I've bought a a few teddy bears uh, in in my time. I think my daughter has uh, two teddy bears lying in her bed right now. There's like a rainbow-colored one and just your traditional brown teddy bear. But that has become a business I mean that's a that's a big deal. Now did now did stuffed bears? Oh yeah. I assume they they existed before this, right? Or, or uh, no? I'm not sure actually. I that's don't know. A, that'd but be an interesting I, I think thing the term to see. That, you know uh, from that point forward they were they began to be referred to as as teddy bears. As the teddy bears. And it was based on a political cartoon that surfaced uh, that focused on Teddy choosing not to shoot a bear that locals had tied up for him to shoot during uh, or during a trip due to his love of hunting. So they wanted him to. <laughs> shoot something and And he he saw that they had literally just tied this creature to a tree and he was like that's not a real huntsman that's not you know you can't do that 
so uh, there was a, a political cartoon uh, that was you know drawn and emerged after that, and so all of a sudden Teddy Roosevelt loved bears, and so it became Teddy Bear from that point forward. Man, I just find it crazy that someone you know <laughs> said, "Hey, Teddy Roosevelt's coming to town. Let's find a bear." <laughs> And, and tie it to this tree. <laughs> I guess uh, you know he had the reputation for being this big rugged, you know, outdoorsman and uh, and, and a hunter, and so uh, probably didn't have a lot of time on his hands and uh, wanted to have a uh, a quick hunt, so to speak. And so, well, that would have been the quickest hunt. That, that, would, have, <laughs> that would have been the very quickest hunt, uh, just to basically tie up this creature to a tree and says, "Hey, President Roosevelt, there's a bear. <laughs> Why don't you shoot the bear?" And so when he realized it was tied to a tree. The whole thing was a setup. He was like, "No, that's that's not how it's done." And yeah, and so uh, and then again from that point forward, the story of of Teddy Roosevelt sort of being uh, soft on bears, and then the whole name of Teddy Bear coming up. That's that's sort of how all that arose. I love that story. That's really cool. Pretty cool. Okay, so uh, what president are we going to look at next, Shannon? We're going to look at John Adams, who was the second president of the United States. He was president between 1797 and 1801. And Jason, John Adams was actually the very first president to move into the White House. Uh, He moved into the White House with his wife, Abigail, on November 1st, 1800, with only a few months remaining in his presidency. So it was actually under construction for a little while before he actually moved in. And believe it or not, construction started on the White House in 1792, and George Washington helped oversee the construction, but he never actually lived there. And I've I've read a little bit about that uh, with uh, Masonic history and uh, laying the cornerstone and those things. That's that's some really rich history. It is. You know, in terms of, of just, you know, presidential history, but then also just history of Washington, D.C. itself and the White House and sort of how all those factors just sort of are, are uh, interwoven. It's cool that George Washington actually literally and metaphorically laid the foundation of uh, some of the structures in Washington. I think that's just so cool. Uh, you know, one of the unfortunate things about John Adams' inauguration is history says that none of his relatives were actually present there. Actually, it was recounted as a fairly lonely day, John Adams' inauguration. Uh, He was the only non-Virginian of the first five presidents. Adams was born in Braintree, Massachusetts. And believe it or not, he was a political rival of Thomas Jefferson. And Adams' last words as he lay there on his deathbed were, Thomas Jefferson survives. So that tells you a little bit about how big of enemies these two actually were. But the punchline here is that Thomas Jefferson did not survive. Uh, Actually, as John Adams lay on his deathbed uh, just a few hours previous to that, Thomas Jefferson had passed away as well uh, just a few hours. And so they, they both died on July 4th, I think. That's true. Is yeah. that correct? They so died that's, that's 50 years uh, after the signing of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1826. So big coincidence. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's really interesting that, you know, that that's one of the last thoughts going through a, a, a dying man's mind is to reference this other, you know, his yeah. political adversary. Uh, yeah, that's you know, kind of wild. That's, that's so odd that those two were, you know, went at it for so long and then they both pass away within hours of each other. Yeah. That's it, really just that's really interesting. And, you know, you have to remember this was a time in American history where certainly you had the political side of things. You had the 
the affluent folks who were, you know, in these positions, uh, such as John Adams and some others. But then you also had duels <laughs> taking right. yeah. place. So some of these same people who were <clears throat> holding political office were actually, uh, you know, fighting duels as well with uh, pistols. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I remember, you know, I mean, today, I mean, at least in Kentucky, you know, when you are elected to a public office, you know, part of the you know, getting sworn in is that you have to uh, affirm that you have never participated in a duel. And <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time as a kid, you know, attending one of these ceremonies, and they said that, and I thought, what? I mean, <laughs> it's like you know, that, that caught my attention even like in 11 or 12 years old. I was like, yeah. what do you mean a duel? I mean, who's, right. you know, that's like, you know, centuries ago. Who does duels, you know? Yeah, and they uh, not only do they question whether you've fought a duel in the past, they also make you swear that you don't have any <laughs> yeah, right. duels yeah. scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you know you can you can see someone taking off you know taking out their iPhone like ah, yeah, December fifth I had one I guess I'll have to cancel that one you know yeah. okay I'm, it's canceled we're good now <laughs> oh that's great uh, so that's all I have on John Adams who's our next lucky presidential candidate next up we have President James Garfield Garfield was born on November nineteenth. 1831 in Moreland Hills, Ohio. Garfield only served as president for six and a half months from March 4th, 1881 until September 19th, 1881 before dying due to a gunshot two months prior while boarding a train in Washington, D.C. Interesting facts about Garfield, he was the first left-handed president and according to several eyewitnesses, and this just absolutely blows me away, could simultaneously write Latin with one hand while writing Greek with the other hand. At the same time? That's according to several eyewitnesses. How does that even work? Now, was he writing the same thing? Probably an alien. I don't know. I'd (laughs) I'd say he was probably an alien. I'm going to go on record and say that James Garfield was the first president who was actually an alien. Well, he was left-handed, so that's (laughs) my first clue. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, okay, so who you got next, Chip? Next up is Martin Van Buren. He was the eighth president of the United States. He served as president from 1837 to 1841, and he was actually the first president to hold office who was born a U.S. citizen. Uh, all presidents before Van Buren were born before 1776 and were colonial subjects of Great Britain. He was the first president to speak English as a second language as well. His first language was actually Dutch. So I found that very interesting. Well, that is very interesting. I actually have an exchange student from the Netherlands right now. Oh, wow. And she speaks Dutch. So that I'll Well, she's to, in good company. I'll have to go home and talk to her about that after a while. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So Van Buren's presidency was defined by something called the Panic of 1837. Just a few months after Van Buren became president, the stock market crashed. Banks failed. People lost their jobs. Companies went out of business. And it really wasn't his fault. Uh, it was based on a lot of the policies from his predecessor, Andrew Jackson. And there was uh, very little that Van Buren could have done. You know, a lot of the things that were moving the stock market into the, the state it was going to be in were already in place. Uh, I have a similar president in a, in a in a situation like that. Yeah, the stock market's crashed a few times. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least a couple. Unfortunately. Yeah. So after the stock market crashed, Van Buren's opponents uh, started calling him Martin Van Ruin instead of Martin Van Buren. <laughs> Sounds like a 1920s like a you know character there like a you know like a robber baron type thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the movie uh, Panic of 1837, starring <laughs> Martin Van Ruin. <laughs> 
So, Jason, who's up next on the list? Uh, Our next U.S. president is James K. Polk, and he is famous for, among other things, uh, he's one of the presidents that has his initial there. (laughs) You hardly (laughs) ever, ever hear him referred to as James Polk. It's always James K. Polk. Right. Don't necessarily know why, but that's that's just the way it is. Uh, You have to be known for something, though. That's exactly right, yeah. Polk was born on November 2nd, 1795, in Pineville, uh, North Carolina. He served as the 11th president of the United States from 1845 until 1849. And two interesting facts about Polk. He was the first president to be elected before turning 50, and sadly, the first president to die before turning 60. So he served as the 11th president one term and uh, was elected to office at a, at a relative, <clears throat> relatively young age and unfortunately passed away at a relatively young age. Oh, okay. Any idea what the K stands for? <clears throat> Uh, I like to think Kellogg, <laughs> but I do not know. <laughs> I just said that because I like I like their cereals. Yeah, nothing so wrong with that. That sounds right. like a good cereal brand. Yeah, James Kellogg. Pulp. That's right. <laughs> it's what's for breakfast. It's what's for breakfast. <laughs> Who you got next, Shannon? Uh, William Henry Harrison. Talking about presidents who did not last very long in the White House. Uh, William Henry Harrison was the ninth president. And uh, he served just in the year 1841. He was the first president to have his photograph taken. Following his inaugural address, Harrison had his photo taken with the daguerreotype technology. And I looked this up, and it's not what we think of as photographs today. It's more something that's printed on a plate, sort of like some sort of metal plate. Uh, And it was very expensive. Yeah, I've seen those before. Yeah, Yeah. those are really cool. Uh, The photo itself was actually lost. And, well, there is at least one copy that remains. And it's stored in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And I saw this. I saw the copy of it. And it's really cool to kind of go back and see what uh, these people look like from past generations and the technologies that were available in 1841. Uh, One thing I noticed is that uh, they don't smile very much. They don't. No. (laughs) Everything must have been really serious. Uh, from about 1930 and previous, right? <laughs> because it seems like every picture from the 1930s and and uh, you know that are older, uh, very serious. They're not real happy every, about no, things. No, very yeah. straight faced. And I'm not sure why that is with the photograph, but with uh, the paintings, which was a little bit more popular uh, prior to the 1800s, one of the reasons I've seen cited for that is just because it took so long to do a painting. So right. you know, you would be sitting there literally for hours while the artist was was painting the photograph. And you just can't smile for that long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of get irritated when, like, you know, someone's taking a picture of your phone and it's been three seconds. Yeah. It's like, push the button, push like, the button. Get on with it. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so uh, William Henry Harrison was also known for being the first president to die in office, as well as for serving the shortest term. Harrison was only president for one month before he died. And during his inauguration, it's been told that he stood in the rain for up to an hour delivering his speech. He didn't have a coat on. He wasn't wearing a hat. He caught a bad cold that developed into pneumonia and killed him. And that is the most tragic thing I think I've yeah. ever heard. Uh, I remember you know that story uh, being in elementary school. You know that that's you know perhaps one of the more famous uh, inauguration speeches, just due to the weather conditions and then what actually occurred from that. I mean, it literally led to his death. Yeah, it's awful. It's crazy how much different history could have been if he'd had a, a top hat on yeah. or, or a coat. Or it was a 
better day. Yeah, just a nicer <laughs> the day. The weather was better. The weather. Yeah. It's also surprising to me that uh, cold could take you out. Yeah. I mean, that's really what so happened So easily. Here. Yeah. yeah. He, he ended up with pneumonia. Um, his grandson, Benjamin Harrison, which I think we're going to talk about here in a little bit, yep. became the 23rd president of the United States. So a little bit of trivia there. And Jason, who's up next? Uh, next, we have President Herbert Hoover. Hoover was born on August the 10th, 1874 in West Branch, Iowa. He served one term as president from 1929 until 1933, and Hoover had to deal with some very difficult times as it was during his presidency the Great Depression occurred. Uh, and that is potentially another podcast topic uh, in and of itself. Uh, but nevertheless, President Hoover was the first to have a telephone installed in the Oval Office. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so like you were saying earlier with Martin Van Buren, that there were some situations that were already underway that led to a greater situation he had to deal with. Yeah. I, I think the same for President Hoover here. There were some things that were already, you know, the dominoes had already fallen. Wasn't all his fault. <clears throat> you know, and he just happens to come into the, you know, to, you know, to the White House and then he has to deal with it immediately. Yeah. But obviously he's connected, you know, to that. And so he had a very difficult presidency, uh, which, you know, led to him being a one-term president. So Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Who you got next, Shannon? Up next is one of my favorite presidents, Abraham Lincoln, uh, who was the 16th president of the United States. He served between 1861 and 1865. Uh, when Lincoln was born in 1809, America had 17 states, uh, but every president before him had been born in one of the original 13 colonies. Lincoln was born in Kentucky. So it's always neat to talk about Lincoln and his accomplishments and uh, know that he was from Hardin County, Kentucky, That's actually. Right. And it, how many vampires actually did he kill? I mean, cause they, <laughs> didn't he kill several vampires? I, saw I watched a movie, a movie about that. Yeah. yeah. He, he was known for his vampire killing prowess. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was, that was an interesting part of his life that uh, relatively was unknown yeah. <laughs> to me. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, he was born in a log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky. His father lost everything when Abraham was young, forcing the family to move to Perry County, Indiana. Uh, Lincoln was the tallest president. You've probably seen this reflected in a lot of the photographs. Even without his uh, top hat, which he's well known for, he stood a towering six foot four. James Madison, in comparison, was the shortest president at five foot four. So hmm. you can see there's about a foot of difference between them there. Uh, Lincoln is most famous for leading the country during the American Civil War. His leadership in the North helped the country to remain strong and defeat the South, keeping the country united. He also also pushed for the freedom of all slaves throughout the nation. Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth while attending a play at the Ford Theater in Washington, D.C. He died the next day on April 15, 1865. And one thing that's interesting about this story is that on the day he was shot, Lincoln told his bodyguard that he had dreamt he would be assassinated. So this is another one of those crazy coincidences that occurred around the American presidents. And there seems to be a lot of these things, just sort of random events that sort of tip you off to something that's about to happen. Almost like omens in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know there have been several movies about the presidency of Abraham Lincoln, and they all have you know slightly different spins, or they highlight maybe certain different aspects of it. Uh, but I've really enjoyed all of them that I've ever watched. I thought I they all had a, a little something different to offer, you know, yeah. to, to his presidency and, and you know the, the events that occurred during that time. So I, I've I've really enjoyed all the the films that I've watched based on Lincoln's life. Yeah, and and did he actually slay vampires? Uh, I. I don't, I don't think so, but I did enjoy that one as well. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I like that. <laughs> All right, so who's up next? 
President Benjamin Harrison uh, was born on August the 20th, 1833, in North Bend, Ohio, and served as the 23rd president from 1889 until 1893. So two really cool things about Benjamin Harrison. He was the grandson of President William Henry Harrison uh, that you mentioned just a moment ago, making them the only grandfather-slash-grandson presidential duo uh, in American history. And then also, Benjamin Harrison was the first sitting U.S. president to attend a professional baseball game. So this occurred on June 6, 1892, as he watched the Cincinnati Reds defeat the Washington Senators 7-4. to Shout out to Bill Simpson, one of the biggest <laughs> Reds fans uh, that I know. And of course, today, you know, uh, you know, several presidents have thrown out, you know, first pitches, but the most famous first presidential pitch uh, had to be George Bush uh, shortly after 9/11. You know, he trotted out to the pitcher's mound and just threw a dead strike right down the gut. And yeah, I, I, I thought that was a really, 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 really cool event. Very memorable. I've yeah. seen that one a few times. Yeah. Okay, Shannon. So uh, I'll throw it back to you. So we have William Howard Taft, the 27th president, uh, who was president between 1909 and 1913. Uh, One year after the introduction of the Model T Ford in 1908, Congress authorized $12,000 so that Taft could have two motor vehicles at the White House. So, Jason, he was the first president to introduce the luxury of driving around in the Ford Model T at the White House. Prior to that, they had a stable. I think he actually also upgraded the stables to a garage. So that all came from Taft. (laughs) Times are a-changing. They are. (laughs) Most of the population at the time saw cars as a dangerous fad, so Congress's decision wasn't very popular to award the $12,000. Today, the U.S. president travels in a state car with several different nicknames known as The Beast, (laughs) Cadillac One, The First Car, and it's often codenamed Stagecoach. Uh, Presidents rode in stock unmodified cars previously until Franklin D. Roosevelt bought the Sunshine Special, the first presidential car to be built to U.S. Secret Service standards. Following the assassination of John F. Kennedy, presidential cars became increasingly more armored and sealed. The 2009-2018 state car had 5-inch thick, bulletproof glass and was hermetically sealed with its own environmental system. So the one that they've been using up to this point that I think was recently replaced or is in the process of being replaced was definitely fitting of the name The Beast. (laughs) Gosh. Five-inch thick glass, bulletproof, and completely being able to sustain someone inside in the event of just about any disaster. Very interesting. Uh, Decommissioned presidential cars are dismantled and destroyed with the assistance of the Secret Service to prevent secrets from being known by outside parties. Huh, that's interesting. I'd never really even thought about what happens to those cars. I I just thought they would retire them and put them in a museum somewhere, honestly. Yeah, and what's interesting to me is from the outside, they just look like normal cars. I mean, I can't tell just by looking at it that there's anything special under the hood, but for all we know, these things are disguised Optimus Prime. I was... (laughs) I was just getting ready to say, it sounds like you're describing a transformer, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So going back to Taft and his legacy, of course, he enjoyed the cars, you know, as uh, setting forth that tradition. But he also established. 
established a parcel post service that stimulated nationwide commerce and trade. The states of New Mexico and Arizona were added to the country during Taft's presidency, making him the first president over the 48 contiguous states. So he was the first one who was able to Pretty say, cool. yeah, I'm president of the inner 48 states. Um, now, another little known fact about Taft, uh, he was actually at one time uh, stuck in the White House bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard this. Yeah. yeah. So he once he got out, uh, it prompted him to have a larger bathtub installed in the White House, of course. And another interesting connection, you mentioned Benjamin Harrison was the first president to attend a Major League Baseball game. William Howard Taft was the first president to throw out the first pitch. But it wasn't as cool as George Bush's, though, right? Couldn't have been. Okay. Not at all. (laughs) Let's just establish that. I've never seen a video of Taft, so who who knows? (laughs) It could have been. It could have been. So who's next? Uh, Next, we have Grover Cleveland. Cleveland uh, was born on March 18, 1837, in Caldwell, New Jersey. And President Cleveland is still the only U.S. president to serve two non-consecutive terms. He won the election of 1884, lost the election of 1888, but came back to win the election of 1892. And another interesting note uh, about President Cleveland before politics, he served as a teacher at the New York Institute for the Blind. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yep. So who do you have next? Uh, Harry S. Truman. He was the 33rd president of the United States, served between 1945 and 1953. And you talked about James K. Polk. Uh, Harry S. Truman also has a middle initial. Yep. And the S in Truman's name doesn't actually mean anything. It's just an S, and that is all. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Kind of, kind of neat. Uh, he was the first president to have a Secret Service code name. Uh, his code name was General, uh, although Truman served as a captain in in World War One, he never actually rose to the rank of general, but this is what the Secret Service referred to him as. Now, there have been other presidents who have had Secret Service code names. A few examples include John F. Kennedy, who was the 35th president. His code name was Lancer. This was based on the idea of the Arthurian legend. A lot of times, JFK's presidency is referred to as Camelot. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Jimmy Carter, who was the 39th president, was referred to as Deacon. Uh, he was very active in his Baptist church. Yep. <laughs> That's all. Still That's is. All. It still is, yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan, the 40th president, was called Rawhide by the Secret Service, uh, due in part to his appearance in Westerns uh, when he was an actor. <laughs> Makes sense. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, all of the presidents have had these code names, and some have even been um, have even given those to themselves. So they get to choose their code name, which is kind oh, of cool. interesting, too. Uh, Harry Truman became Franklin D. Roosevelt's vice president in 1944, and when Roosevelt died at the beginning of his fourth term, Truman took over and became president. Truman is most known for the events leading up to Japan's surrender at the end of World War II. Uh, the Japanese were all but defeated around this time in World War II when Harry Truman took office, but they refused to surrender. Uh, an invasion into, J- into Japan would likely cost hundreds of thousands of U.S. lives. So Truman really had a decision to make here. He could either send in the army or he could drop a bomb. And at this time, the U.S. had developed what has come to be known as the atomic bomb, something we've talked about in previous episodes. So uh, Truman, in an effort to save American lives, issued an order to drop an atomic bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. A second bomb was dropped on the city of Nagasaki a few days later. 
The devastation of these cities was unlike anything that had ever been seen, and Japan surrendered shortly after. Just a tremendous amount of wreckage and uh, <clears throat> devastation. Yes, a scary, scary time uh, worldwide, really. Yeah, it really was. So who's up next? Uh, next, we're going to look at President Woodrow Wilson. Uh, Mr. Wilson was born on December 28, 1856, in Staunton, Virginia, and served two terms as the 28th president from 1913 to 1921. And obviously, this was the time period of World War One. so Wilson was forced to deal with some very difficult uh, issues, as was uh, Truman. Uh, an interesting fact about Wilson, he was the first president to visit Europe while in office. And this occurred in December of 1918, and this trip would later help him win the 1920 Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, wow. So that was Woodrow Wilson. So. Very cool. So did he stop by England and uh, <laughs> he, he visited, kind of drop he, in? He visited France. Oh, he went to he France. He visited France. Okay. He visited France. Yep. Sure enough. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, so we have John F. Kennedy, Uh-oh. one of the one more of the notable yeah. presidents, uh, 35th president of the United States, served as president between 1961 and 1963, uh, so a very short-lived term there. Uh, he was the first president to be a Boy Scout, and he was the youngest elected president uh, at this time at 43 years old. Uh, Ro- Roosevelt was the youngest president, but he wasn't actually elected. He became president following President William McKinley's assassination, as you noted earlier. Right. Uh, he was the first president to make use of the Situation Room. Uh, this is something we've talked about before in the Cold War episode, uh, following the failure of something called the Bay of Pigs in 1961, which was an American invasion on Cuba during the Cold War, JFK installed the Situation Room, uh, which replaced an old bowling alley that had been a gift for Harry S. Truman. As you mentioned, the times were changing. <laughs> we were going from the bowling room to the Situation Room. Uh, the Situation Room was used by JFK and his staff for serious national security conversations and very famously it was used during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, In 1962, the U.S. discovered that the Soviet Union was building secret missile bases in Cuba. These bases would be able to strike the U.S. with nuclear bombs, and this famously became known as the Cuban Missile Crisis. The U.S., under JFK's leadership, quarantined Cuba. Uh, After negotiations, the Soviet Union agreed to dismantle the bombs, and the U.S. agreed to never invade Cuba and to remove missiles from Turkey. Uh, On November 22, 1963, JFK was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald while riding in a convertible car in Dallas, Texas. And as we mentioned previously, this prompted the Secret Service and uh, others to create the cars that would go on to be a little bit more uh, armored, a little bit more contained, and, you know, just a little bit safer in general. So, Jason, who's up next? So, uh, the last president that I'm going to look at, uh, obviously, is connected to JFK, and that is Lyndon Baines Johnson, normally referred to as LBJ, President Johnson was born on August the 27th, 1908, in Stonewall, Texas. Uh, he served as president from November 22nd, 1963, uh, until 1969. Sadly, LBJ is forever connected as having to be sworn in as president after John F. Kennedy was assassinated. He served out JFK's term and then went on to win the 1964 election on his own. 
LBJ's interesting facts involve him being sworn in after JFK's passing. LBJ was the first president to be sworn in by a woman, a Texas federal judge named Sarah Hughes. And furthermore, Lyndon Baines Johnson was the first president to be sworn in on an airplane, which... Uh, obviously, was Air Force One. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, very interesting time period in history there and how uh, John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Baines Johnson will forever be connected. Uh, I mean, obviously, as president and vice president, but just the other, all the events that right. occurred around them. Uh, yeah, there's been countless books, movies, uh, you know, even some uh, superhero movies that have <laughs> had connections to these uh, to these events. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shannon, I will uh, throw it back to you, I think, to look at our final president for today. Yeah, our last one is Gerald R. Ford Jr. He was the 38th president and served between 1974 and 1977. Just like JFK, he was also a Boy Scout, but he earned the highest rank, which was Eagle Scout. He is the only Eagle Scout to have ascended to the U.S. presidency. Ford's birth name was actually different. It wasn't Gerald R. Ford. I found this really interesting. It was Leslie Lynch King Jr. Very different. I have never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah. So the way this happened is that um, his parents separated and his mother remarried uh, a man named Gerald Rudolph Ford, which sounds a lot more like the Gerald R. Ford that we know. Uh, The mother started calling her son Gerald R. Ford Jr. after getting remarried, and his name was legally changed in 1935. So, yeah, originally it was Leslie Lynch King Jr. Slapdash throwing out education. (laughs) I had I had never heard that. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by that. Uh, Ford played high school football and won a scholarship to University of Michigan, where his team, the Wolverines, won national championships in 1932 and 1933. Ford was named MVP in 1934, which was his senior year, and he received offers from the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. So, Jason, this is a president who almost went on to the NFL. Right. Pretty pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Ford turned down both of these offers to take a position as the head boxing coach and assistant football coach at Yale University. And while he was there, he bargained with them to allow him to study law. Uh, Originally, they didn't want to let him do that (laughs) because he was the head boxing coach and also the assistant football coach. And they didn't think he had time in his schedule to also study law. He convinced (laughs) them otherwise. So uh, he did go on to finish his law degree at Yale. Uh, He was the first president, not elected president or vice president. Spiro Agnew, Richard Nixon's vice president, resigned in 1973 and Ford assumed the vice presidency via congressional nomination. So you had a president. Nixon, uh, who resigned. You had the vice president resign after Gerald R. Ford stepped in, and you know Ford went on so to Ford ascend was, to he the was, He was there in both both positions, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was the next to, to move up in the line, hmm. and very famously, he told his wife Betty that being VP would be a nice con- uh, vice president would be a nice conclusion to his career. He had no idea that he was right. going to go on to become the president. Um, so yeah, whenever Richard Nixon resigned in 1974, that made Ford commander in chief. And Jason, that brings us to the end of our conversations on the presidents. Do you have anything else to add? I, I do not think uh, I do not think that I do. I, I really enjoyed uh, doing some research on this, and then you know, even as a as a young kid, I loved reading about uh, the American president. 
habits and you know some of the historical things that were occurring uh, you know during their lives and then also some of the the more trivial things you know some of which we've talked about today so uh, i really enjoyed this episode yeah when i was in grade school they had a whole selection of uh, history books on u.s presidents oh yeah that was sort yeah. of told in narrative form i just remember they had these bright blue covers and they had the names of the presidents on the front and it was just a really interesting read you know i just yep. went through as many of those as i could and it's always fascinating to hear about the lives of these individuals so if you enjoy the podcast please subscribe leave us a review you can also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram we're at slapdash pod this month in november we'll be discussing topics in virtual reality and also the science behind colonizing mars so it promises to be a very exciting month thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time take care everyone